Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. This Spiritual Fix presents TSF Shorts. A potluck of preludes between episodes. Hello, TSF family, and welcome to the second short of season six, where today we are going to be talking about our experience at the MatCon conference, as well as Tetris for PTSD. Enjoy. Hey, good morning, Christina. Good morning, Anna. I'm so happy because I just saw you literally like two days ago. We got to spend three days together. It was so nice. It was so nice to just be like in with hanging out with you. You know what I mean? But like also meeting other people and like we, you know, we went to a workshop and we got to meet a lot of people at the workshop and it was just really nice. It was really nice to like, I don't know. Did you enjoy it? (laughs) I loved it. Yeah. So for reference, a couple episodes back, we interviewed Matt Kahn and he put on a retreat slash workshop in the North Carolina mountains. And Christina and I got there. And like, as soon as we got there, we basically, it was dinner time. We're sitting there. Chris goes, okay, we need to like open ourselves up. We don't want to be those people that only talk to each other, the whole retreat, like let's meet people. So we like, like we ushered this woman to our table to come join us. And like, we ended up hitting it off so well with her. And then we met another guy, like we met a lot of great people and it was just wonderful. And it was a great reminder that if you don't feel like you have your community, like your spiritual, your shadow work, your, your witchy community, whatever it is that's interests you, like see if you can find the time or the means like Vipassana is free, for example, but there's, there's other ways of like going to groups where you're going to find like-minded people and, and either strengthen your community or create your community. And it was great. Like meeting, meeting the people we met was just as good as the retreat itself and the food. Yes. And also the reminder of the fact that like, we've joked about it a couple of times that like Anna is the amazing communicator. Like she is the one who keeps all of her group texts alive. Um, right. Like, and then, and that's a beautiful thing because for me, I'm the type of person who's like, I really want to keep in touch with you. And then I just like, for one reason or another, don't like either forget to do it or feel like we're doing it or feel like maybe the other person doesn't like my rejection stuff comes up. I really appreciate being Anna's friend for the fact that like she keeps her word in terms of like, yes, let's keep in contact and let's like create and further and deepen these relationships. So I want to thank you for that, Anna. Well, Ford, I really Ford it. is leading the group chat with, the, with his hilarious puns in our, in our new group chat that we made friends with. But yeah, it was a great retreat. We want to have a whole episode where we interview Matt Kahn again, where we talk about intuition, which was the theme of the retreat. But Christina, what was your 
you said that it, you really got a lot of takeaways from it. What what was something that you noticed? I did get a lot of takeaways. Honestly, one of the things that sounds weird to say, but like, I think because he knew us, he like hung out with us a lot during all the meals and stuff like that, which was really nice. But the, the couple of times that I got to talk to him, Matt Con was the first person that helped me realize that I was an, that gave me a name for embodied channel. I didn't understand what that meant or I didn't have a name for the kind of, cause you know, like I grew up with trans channelers. I grew up with people who were, um, you know, going into altered states, very similar to the episode that we had last week with the Galela collective, right. And Leanne Rose, like that is, that is a tr- classic, beautiful, high level trans channel. And I think that, I mean, I can do that, but for me, it always resonated more to just kind of talk, but it was fascinating because I think I didn't realize until this weekend how much my channel comes through. And there were a couple of times when I got to talk to Matt and he like reassured me about my intuition and how much it was playing a role in my daily life because I got to see him do it. I got to see him just living his embodied channel and just like trusting that all the things that he was doing was exactly what he was supposed to be doing in that moment. Right. And So that combined with all the stuff that he was teaching us in the course, the master your intuition course, in which he was basically saying, what if everything is intuition, right? And what if, what if we are, you know, working in, and what if everything is divine timing, which is stuff that I've, I've definitely understood, but having somebody else say it really felt it's always sometimes like really good to just get like this validation of what you feel. So ever Mm -hmm. since I've been back, I have been experiencing my intuition as if it's a thing. Like I'll tell you an example. And sometimes it's hard, but this morning I was sitting at the table. I was cleaning up. So we have this huge Lego table for my kids that are homeschooled and I was resetting it. So every couple of weeks I reset it because it just gets crazy. And I need to like, go put all the things back in the boxes and things like that, like back in their like kind of somewhat correct boxes. And they're really loose categories. This is not like red two by two blocks go in this container. This is like wheels and you know, whatever. So I was resetting this and it's interesting because I have people coming to my house in two weeks. And so I really wanted to spend this weekend, like fixing up the property. Like there are boards on the fences that are down. I want to go around and fix all the fences. And I wanted to kind of do this, but my husband's kind of created this project where there's literally like a whole playroom. Like he basically took all the clutter out of our house and he put it into this room And now both of us want to use this room for an actual room. And so now we have to go through it. And so he created this project. This this massive fucking huge project. Like literally this room is filled to the gills with stuff. He took all the toys out of the kids' room and they haven't even missed them, right? No, he took took all like so much stuff and it's all just sitting in the sink. And so, but now we have to deal with it. And it was so fascinating because he's like, he's like, I'm really excited that the two of us are going to, really tackle that room, you know, tomorrow and the next day. So basically the kind of two days that I don't see people, we're going to tackle this room together. And I just said, yeah, I'm I'm really happy that you feel that way. And you know what? I feel a little bit overwhelmed by it because I didn't really create it, but I accept that, you know, that's what I'm going to be doing instead. And I, and I, and we're in this together. And I feel like it was similar to what you learned from Leanne, but I have, that was my channel coming out. Like I did not think about that and it wasn't coming from a part. You know what I mean? It was just like, it was almost like I had to listen to myself. And at first I was really critical because he did, he did what he kind of always does. He just kind of like walked away and didn't really acknowledge what I said. So I was like, oh my God, is he mad? Because it was like my ego and my like 
Christina self coming in, my parts coming in being like, how could you say that you are, you know, not entirely happy that you're having to do this? You know, it was just so fascinating for me because it was completely my channel and it felt so good to say it. And now that I've said it, I can accept the task. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I accept the task now because I just let the channel come out, even though the channel was saying something that was difficult to my partner. So that is an example of how for me, like I know it seems very specific to being an embodied channel, but it's not because that's the thing. Like we're all channels in whatever way we need to say. And I feel like as if we cultivate this ability to recognize that we aren't speaking from our parts, that we are speaking for our core self and that our core self sometimes has difficult things to say. But once we allow that core self to express itself, we can accept things and we don't have to keep creating these dramas around it. It just feels so much better. Does that make sense? So you're saying that even your higher self has challenges, like even your higher self has tough things to say. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that I'm saying that what I think is really an important thing for us to all acquire is the ability to recognize that it's not just parts or things that we need to get rid of that has difficulties with that has kind of things that come up, if that makes sense. Right. Like that's the thing that I'm trying to say is that like, ultimately when you experience something that you're having trouble integrating into your system, whether it's like a responsibility that you're taking on or something along those lines, recognizing that the, that there's all levels of the channel. There's that high, high trance chance channel. Who's just like almost an, is another source energy that's coming into your body and kind of supplanting you. And then you go all the way down to like the embodied channel and the embodied channel is probably working on a, on a quote unquote faster level in the sense that they don't have personal grievances. And then I feel like there's a level of channel that we experience that is our core self. Like if you could say that the core self, like the IFS core self, the core self is a form of a channel that's just saying how it feels so that it can integrate and accept the challenges that it experiences in its everyday life. Then whenever we are able to get into that core self and kind of just say and express how that core self feels we can accept whatever it is and we don't have to go into the drama triangle. We don't have to go into our protector parts. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not always a part that has a problem or has like, uh, you know, or has some, some sort of hiccup. The core self can also want to express itself in different ways. How do you feel about that? Do you agree with that when I say that? Yeah. And it will, it kind of ties into perfectly with my biggest takeaway from the weekend, which was when he said, that a lot of us think that if we use our intuition, we're going to bypass pain. So we try to hone in our intuition because we're like, if I get my intuition really strong and I can really hear my higher self, I'm going to make all the correct choices and I'm going to bypass all the pain and all the suffering. And it really hit home for me because I realized that I do have that, that I did, I did slash do in some ways have that belief, like, oh, if I can just listen to my angels more or be more intuitive or fix my diet or do more shadow work, then I will know better what decisions to make. And then I can avoid the pain and the suffering that is inevitable with life. And like, I think that in some ways that some of the times that the people who seek out shadow work and spiritual work and growth and self-help have trauma in their history is because on some level, we're kind of 
don't want to ever go there again. We don't want to suffer again. We don't want to hurt again. So we're going to try to heal, 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 heal. And in order to prevent more pain and suffering. And when Matt Kahn's like, look, pain and suffering are part of life. Like, yeah, duh. I know that it's like one of the Buddha's noble truths, right? That in life there is pain and suffering. And I started to recognize how so much of my spiritual past, including my desire to strengthen my intuition comes from trying to bypass pain and suffering, but by pain and suffering are not bypassable. Like even if you have the best, I mean, look at Matt Kahn, for example, like, I mean, not to go into his personal life, but he was engaged and it didn't work out and he's engaged again. So like, even if you're this amazing, amazing channel who gets, who is like clear, clear, clear and high, it's not going to prevent you from heartache and suffering and all that other stuff. Like, I don't, and I don't know what he went through and I don't mean to speak on his behalf. I'm just saying like, it's like, doesn't matter how amazing you are in your, your spiritual life. Like you cannot bypass pain and suffering, which kind of leads me to something I wanted to talk about today, which is that I woke up depressed. Like I'm a, I'm in my hormonal state where I get short tempered and irritable, but if I can just preserve my depression and honor the depression that I feel, it doesn't get to that point. Like I've noticed that the irritability and, and, and poor temper and grouchiness that I feel is when I try to resist my depression in these days. And I'm, and I feel like I'm forced to like, you know, be the awesome, happy go lucky Anna that I usually am. And it makes me resentful and bitter and angry and short tempered. And when I wake up and I feel this way and I feel depressed and I just like enjoy being depressed, which is such a funny thing to say. Um, it just feels better. And so I woke up this morning depressed and sad. And like the thought came to me like, well, maybe I could take an ibuprofen and feel better, or maybe I could do do this and I would feel better or whatever. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to do any of that. I want to be depressed. Like I want to enjoy feeling depressed. I want to enjoy feeling that there is no point of life. I want to enjoy feeling hopelessness. I want to enjoy just being fucking sad. My husband's out of town. My kids are at school. No one has to suffer because I'm suffering. And it felt really good to just be like, I feel depressed today and I want to feel depressed and fuck anyone who thinks I need to just like cheer up and be happy. By the way, ironically, I did go to the gym and now I do feel happy again. So it's kind of like it was short lived, but I didn't go to the gym to escape it. I just went to the gym because I just have a routine and I wanted to go. But anyways, that aside, it felt like the biggest revolt in my life. Like I felt revolutionary this morning, walking around being like, I'm depressed and I love it. And I'm going to enjoy being depressed and (laughs) fuck everyone on this fucking spiritual path or even our teachers or our parents or our friends who are like, cheer up, put on a smile. What do you need to feel better? I don't want to feel better. I just want to feel like a depressed, hopeless, sad person today. Ironically, I don't feel like that right now, but like, I love when I feel this way and I, this is a disclaimer. Like if you feel like that all the time and you want to change, go seek some professional help and do what you need to do to get out of the hole. But if you just have temporary states of depression, like I do, like what's the harm in just loving it? I enjoy being sad. Isn't that the next level of existential kink in some ways, right? Yeah. Cause it's like, like, yeah, go ahead. I Well, no. Yeah. I had plans today with someone and I canceled them because I was just like, I didn't even tell them why I was like, because I want to be miserable in my house all alone. And I don't want to have to put on a front that I'm a happy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like that's, that's what I'm saying. Like 
I was saying I was saying this to one of my clients last night is that I was saying, you know, this 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 entire concept of the fact that like eventually we get to the point where hopefully we have cultivated relationships in which our pure expression of whatever it is is okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you don't need to explain. Like, if you were like, I'm not coming today. Like, if we were supposed to do something today and you're like, I'm not coming today. I mean, I might be like, oh, how come? And you're like, I just don't feel like it. I'd be like, sweet, you know, go for it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like the more that you just become okay with those feelings and you don't try and push them away. I feel like the more that you cultivate, like it, 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 it eventually bleeds out to the point where the relationships that you're in accept that you're just going to express whatever it is that you're in and your, your experience doesn't need to cause them pain. And if it does cause them pain, it's not necessarily your responsibility if it's just your truth. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't cancel recording this with you. Cause I was like, well, Christina doesn't care if I'm depressed. I don't have to be fake with Christina. Like I'm not depressed right now, but earlier this morning when I was just moping around, hating existence, hating everything, I was like, well, I can still record with Christina because she's not going to say, cheer up, Anna. Show me that smile. <laughs> Anyways. Exactly. No, and I think that's, I think that's beautiful. It's been a lesson. It's been a lesson that has come up a lot in my practice. And it's something that I realized is something that I need to learn as well, which is that, you know, the point of spiritual work is not to bypass pain. It really is not. And, and the more that, you know, it, it it's a nice, healthy byproduct if it happens to be that, but that doesn't mean that you don't, it, sometimes you, you get into a stream and that stream is going to give you a lot of interesting evolutionary experiences. You know what I mean? Like, and that, that's, that's a, a term from Suzanne Raja who we've, who've interviewed in the past, but you know, like sometimes it gives you a lot of interesting evolutionary experiences because you're on the spiritual fast, which we all know, but I, I love that you brought that. I love that that was your takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today for the topic, getting into our little topic, if you're new here, we do these shorts where we just talk about random topics that don't necessarily go with the theme of the season. It's just so we can just keep putting out some content without the pressure of doing shadow work and, and light work all the time. But what I wanted to talk about today was Tetris, Christina. Christina and I love to play video games by the way Christina what what's the name of the game that you play I play anything from Playrix which is Homescapes it's like you get those absolutely terrible ads where it has the woman oh, and I she's get all shivering. the Homescape ads I get you know, it. and I always want to just fucking give her the fire and yeah I yeah know. okay so that's the funny thing is is that like there are a bunch of like mini games within this setup it's like all within this idea of that you're remodeling this house. There's also a gardenscape in which you're, you're there, that one, you're remodeling a garden and then there's a farmscape in which, and they're all, but the main part of all of those is that you are playing little candy crush type games uh, in order to be, and they all are slightly different in their rules in order to be able to like get points to be able to remodel this house. And then there's a bunch of mini games inside of it. So like very, very rarely do you get the one where it's like, I'm freezing. You need to feed me. Like there's a lot of now I've come to across the ones where it's just all like animals who need to be fed. And there's like little puzzles that you have to do to figure out the animal, but that's mine. Okay. Well, I play a game called dots and I just love it. And I'm on level like 2,500 at this point. And my kids just love that I play it. And they're like, mom is so cool because she plays video games with us because I also get on Animal Jam with them sometimes. But anyways, 
All that being said, I want to talk a little bit about Tetris. So I don't know if anyone saw the movie Tetris. It's a great movie about like how Tetris got here from Russia during the Cold War when nothing was able to get in and out of Russia. Really? It's like a documentary. Not a documentary. It's a movie. But it's very fascinating about how like the rights and ownership of Tetris got out, got snuck out of Russia over here. And then how um, Nintendo and Atari were like fighting for the rights for it. And there was espionage and all sorts of great stuff. Wow. It, it, it's a great it's a great movie. But that aside, has anyone here played Tetris? Because I know I did. And I played I a lot it. of it when I was a kid. Yes. And I think maybe that's why I turned out so awesome, because apparently it protects you from PTSD. Wow. <laughs> Just kidding, but not kidding. Well, anyways, so apparently Tetris prevents you from experiencing PTSD. And one of the reasons why I know this is because I love Reddit. And it's one of my guilty pleasures, especially the Am I the Asshole group. And then there's one called like True Off My Chest, where people are just like confessing like really weird fucking things that have happened to them. And in True Off My Chest, a lot of times when people come in and they're like, this crazy thing just happened. And it's like clearly traumatic. People are like, go, go download Tetris, go play Tetris, go play Tetris. Because why? Tetris has been scientifically proven to help prevent PTSD. And it's also been used as an anxiety treatment for people who already have PTSD. And I want to talk about just a couple different studies that I found on this about Tetris, which is just fascinating. Okay. So this study, this was published in the University of Oxford News, and it was that Tetris is used to prevent PTSD in survivors of motor vehicle accidents. So basically in this study, some clinical psychologists took 71 motor vehicle accident victims and half of them, like when they came in from the hospital in the emergency department, half of them were given some other task to do within six hours of the accident. And then the other half were given Tetris to play. And in the first week after trauma, they found that the amount of intrusive thoughts and intrusive memories of the accident was much less in the Tetris group. And then they also studied them a month out, which is actually when PTSD is formally diagnosed. They also found decreased intrusive thoughts. In the full paper, preventing intrusive memories after trauma via brief intervention involving a Tetris computer game played in the emergency department, a proof of concept randomized control trial can be read in the Journal of Molecular Psychiatry. But anyway, so there was wow. that. So that was prevention of it, right? right. And then I was looking at a study in PubMed about like, what about people who already have PTSD? Like what happens here? So they looked at men who had combat related PTSD. So basically, you know, people who had PTSD from being in combat. So basically in this study, what they did was they had two groups and both were getting EMDR, eye movement desensitization. And reprocessing therapy and reprocessing therapy. And then one group was also given within the two groups, one group was also given Tetris. And they've discovered that pretty much everyone in the study reduced their anxiety and PTSD symptoms across the board. However, only the Tetris group continued to show reduction in anxiety symptoms at the six month follow-up. 
playing Tetris was correlated with increase in hippocampal volume and hippocampal increases were correlated with continued reduction of PTSD, depression, and anxiety symptoms between completion of therapy and a six-month follow-up. As such, says the study, Tetris playing may ensure that a wider range of symptoms improvements are of symptom improvements are maintained after therapy through increases in hippocampal volume. And if you want to read this study, it's in the Journal of Psychiatry and Neuroscience. And, and I will, it'll be in the show notes. Yeah. And it'll be in the show notes. So anyways, my question for you, Christina, mm-hmm. and, and, and I have one study explaining why they think it is, but why do you think that Tetris can combat anxiety and prevent PTSD. It was coming through very clearly as you were saying that. And I was just like, so fascinated. Okay. So the way that I do energy healing is that I recognize that there's this very important balance between the mental and emotional bodies. The mental oftentimes is the one that is, it's like, and the, the emotional body is like the river, the emotional body wants to express its flow state as a river. And then the mental is the one that wants to qualify things that are happening in the river, like what's creating the rapids. It's kind of like the the mental almost creates the rapids within the river. To me, when you do Tetris, you are occupying the mental mind so much that you get into a flow state. And that flow state is allowing the traumatic memories to be processed in an unconscious way so that they don't actually settle very deeply in that state. Because that's one of the things I tell my clients all the time is I'm just like, if you're experiencing a lot of triggering and if you're experiencing a lot of things, it's like your your river is dammed up. You have way too much pressure in that system and you need to let it out. So the best way to do that is to get into a flow state, which is to go into a special interest. If you're neurodivergent, it's to go into an art project. It's, It's to like sing or do all, you know, like get in the car and just like sing for hours to music. If that's your thing, you know what I mean? It's getting into some sort of flow state is one of the best ways to depressurize the emotional system. And it's when that system gets backed up that effectively what happens is it gets, you think about it as like, if it gets backed up in your conscious mind, it keeps backing up, backing up until it gets embedded in that unconscious. And then there's all sorts of interesting pathways that get created between the two, which make it so that you get triggered mentally by things that happen in your sensory environment. And it's triggering these deep emotional things to come up. It's like, it's a very unique configuration. That's my explanation is that it, it Tetris creates a flow state because it distracts the mental. Well, funny. You should say that. Did you, did you research this? I did not. That is totally channeled. (laughs) Bitch. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Just kidding. You pretty much channeled the study that I was going to reference. That's fine. And researchers at the University of California found that playing Tetris puts you in a flow state. So according to Professor Kate Sweeney, flow is the term that psychologists use to describe a state of mind when you're so engaged that the rest of the world falls away and time passes more quickly. It can be achieved by concentrating on a single simple activity. If the activity isn't challenging enough, you get bored. If it's too difficult, you get frustrated. Flow requires a delicate balance. So I find that interesting. Sweeney had 290 undergraduates fill in a form asking them about their personality. She took photos of them, telling them they would be rated on their physical attractiveness. And while they were being rated, which was supposed to like make them feel anxious, 
The students were asked to play Tetris for 10 minutes. After the game, they completed a survey measuring their sensations of flow, worry, and emotion. The people who experienced flow had less worry and anxiety about the results of how attractive they were. Okay, that's what she did. But um, anyways, I just think it's interesting. And like, I, I noticed that when I was in school, when I was a kid, I would doodle all the time. Like, and the teachers might've thought I wasn't paying attention, but by doodling, I would get into a flow state. And I know some people crochet or knit. I'm literally crocheting right now, <laughs> right? Cause like, right. I know I, I just, someone gave me some beautiful yarn for fall and I was like, I know where my crochet needle is. Like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm making y'all, but like, it just helps me concentrate, especially because I don't have to look at it. I can just kind of like feel it. It's like a totally tactile experience and it gets me into a flow state so that I can channel better sometimes. So, yeah. yeah so. Well, next week, we're finally going to conclude the Money Wound Trilogy. And I'm excited. I got a lot of work to do to prepare for this episode, but we hope you tune in and enjoy it. Yes. Thanks, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this TSF short. We would love to hear a comment from you, not just a rating on iTunes, but a comment or to follow us on Spotify. We get a lot of inf interesting information and it helps people find us. Thanks so much. Bye. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.